Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, let me just read verses 1 through 8. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to turn away. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. You guys change? is the one constant in life. Life is consistent in that it is filled with change. Seasons change, people change, governments change, the list goes on and on and on. Some of these changes we can look at as being very positive and exciting, like a promotion at at work, maybe the first day of spring after a long, hard winter, Or maybe it's your Super Bowl team actually wins. Those are all positive changes that we look forward to. But other times there are things that are negative and incredibly difficult. Like the loss of a marriage. Or getting fired from a job. A traumatic accident. You know what? In the span of a lifetime, change is inevitable. Change brings with it moments of joy and excitement but also pain and sadness. Here's the key, though. If we find, if we take these moments and we find uh, opportunities for growth and we find opportunities to expand our influence, expand our territory, it really all depends on our perspective on change and our willingness to embrace change as something that is filled with possibility. We're starting a new series this morning called Do It Tomorrow. We're going to look at things like how does procrastination factor into our ability to navigate change? What about sanctification? What impact does that have? What in the world does sanctification mean? Well, it means becoming like Jesus. How do we navigate change as we also become like Jesus? And maybe for some of us, navigating change is actually uh, cultivating some spiritual habits in our lives. Because if we do these things, we will see a life-giving process of change in our journey with Jesus. Change is coming. That's the title of this morning's message, Change is Coming. And so uh, let's dive right in. Who likes change? Who is a change agent in the room this morning? Who likes change? There's very few of us. Two-thirds of you. Typically, in a survey that's done, two-thirds of you would rather run for the hills than deal with change, right? You don't like change. You resist it. Some of us simply say, I can deal with it, 
but it doesn't, doesn't mean that I like it, right? That's the way some of us look at change. I believe the best way to look at change is to have a good perspective of both the possibilities within change and the pitfalls, the things that can grab us by the heel if, we don't, uh, if we're not aware. So I wonder if this morning, uh, if you could look back on your life, like what are the major changes you've experienced in your life? Okay, so I had a little time to think about this, right? So within this, the last six to eight months, what are the changes that you've experienced? For me, I, uh, I had a bout with cancer. So I had to deal with cancer in the last six to eight months. When, you, when, you, when you're diagnosed with the C word, uh, it changes a few things for you. Uh, life comes right front and center for you really, really quick. A year ago, uh, we were in person and then we weren't. <laughs> really quickly, like we had to make a change and some of us navigated that well and others of us had a really difficult time. Those of you online this morning, you're benefiting from that change. We learned how to navigate being online and in the house. And so we're glad you're out there this morning and joining us. Uh, two years ago, two years ago, where were you two years ago? What kind of changes did you have to navigate two years ago? For me, and for us as a congregation, it was the corner of Fifth and Madison, right where we are this morning. Almost in September, or later in this month, it'll be two years that we closed on this property. So that was a major change. And we had to navigate all of the steps that it took to get us here. Big changes two years ago. 10 years ago, Brenda and I left a church that we'd been a part of for 20 years. We left the church we were part of for 20 years. That's a big, big shift. There's a big shift for, for anyone going through that. And 20 years ago, where were you 20 years ago? A lot of you were maybe four or five years old. So maybe you don't remember where you were 20 years ago. However, for me, I was in a head-on car collision 20 years ago this year. That made a big difference in the trajectory of my life. That's a huge, huge difference. Okay, one step further. Where were you 40 years ago? <laughs> Nobody was anywhere 40 years ago. Uh, but I was. 40 years ago, I made a decision that uh, radically changed my life. 40 years ago, I made a decision to follow Jesus as an adult. That was a major shift in trajectory, and for which I'm forever grateful. How do you navigate change? What's your perspective on change? Because change is coming. Back to Ecclesiastes, verse 1. Solomon, by the way, is the writer of Ecclesiastes, and he's kind of writing this at the end of his life. He's looking back on all the changes he's experienced, and there's, you can tell in his writing you read more of this, and he's like, oh, there's nothing new under the sun. I have a, he has a very dismal opinion of how his life has turned out. Here's the wealthiest man that ever lived. Here's one of the wisest men, if not the wisest man that ever lived. And at the end of his life, he's saying, eh, not so much. And take it or leave it. Nothing new under the sun. Okay, well, you can either subscribe to his attitude toward life or you can grab the proverbial bull by the horns and actually use change for your benefit. 
In verse 1, he says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Okay, so he acknowledges, hey, there is a time for everything. There is a season for everything. We humans, you and I, we are charged with the responsibility to discern the times and determine what are the right actions for the times. And when we do the right action, according to God's time, which is sometimes difficult to know, it's like, how do I know? How do I know? You know what? Some of us would just, if we don't like change especially, we'll just step back and we'll wait. Well, God, I'm not going to move until you tell me to move. I'll wait. I don't hear anything yet. And we seem to forget that God's spirit, if we're following Jesus, God's spirit is within us and it is up to us to move when he calls us to move. Sometimes you are not, rarely are you going to hear anything super, super clear. Like every decision I've ever made, I've probably been about 50% sure. But guess what? I know that God uses, even when I make a misstep, God uses those moments to refine me, to make me more like him, to test my, he uses that to test my patience, to instill wisdom in me, like, I guess I won't do that next time. We get scared of change. We get scared of what we don't know, and that's where faith comes into action. That's where we say, okay, I don't know, but I'm trusting you, God. This is about as clear as it's going to get for me, but I'm trusting you. You've equipped me. Now I'm going to step into these next moments. And as we live, as you and I live in this world, we have to ask, God, what would you have me do now? Because we know we have eternal purpose. We know that he wants all things and he creates all things to work together for our good. But you and I, we have limited knowledge and we can't say like God can say, oh, this is why such and such happened. We just simply have to be available to step in and say, hey God, what would you have me do in this moment? And then act, act on that moment. So we've been asking questions like this and, and, and we've been doing so for quite a long time now because as you all know, change is happening faster and faster and faster. Change comes at us quicker than it ever has in history. And so one of the ways that may help us as we experience change is to think about the FIRE model. There's a FIRE model of change. And so it's an acronym. FIRE is an acronym. And the word, the letter F stands for facts. So we notice facts about a particular thing, about a change. We notice facts. And then we interpret those facts. And then based on our interpretations, we're going to experience a, an emotional reaction. And once we experience these emotions, we have some desired ends that we want. For example, maybe you're new to restore. Maybe you're new to this place. Let's apply this. So, you walk in the front doors, and maybe you establish some facts about what you observe. And you interpret those facts by what you've experienced in the past, perhaps. 
but you have a filter through which you experience the, or that you interpret that. And then you'll have an emotional reaction. So if no one greeted you this morning, you may have an emotional reaction to that. If someone greeted you and you're an introvert, you may have an emotional reaction to that. And out of those emotions that you have, there's a desired end. You may continue to engage or you may step back. This is not just true for coming in here. It is true for all of life. Wherever you go, use the FIRE model to assess your experience. It may be helpful as you navigate change. Now, some of you, for example, came here for one reason, and maybe you stayed for another. You came in here looking for something, but you experienced uh, something that you weren't expecting, perhaps. And maybe you stayed for a different reason than the one you actually walked in the door. Some of us are here because, well, I like the size of this church, for example. We're not 500, 600 people. We're a few people. I like the small. I like this size. But listen, here's the thing. Very few movements in life, very few movements as we look at history happened small. We can all individually make small changes, but as we gather together, we're creating a mass of people, which a mass of people creates momentum. And momentum is what is needed to get into the future. We're future-oriented around here. We believe God is calling us to more. And we're not always sure what it all looks like. But we know that more is typically created whenever there is mass. Mass creates change. And, and with change, mass creates momentum. And within momentum, change lives. You can't have momentum and not have change. Momentum requires us to be agents of change, not just passive observers. Listen, we just did the Idol series. We just finished it up. If you didn't catch the Idol series, get online. It's, 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 it was a challenging four-week series. If you were here for the Idol series, you couldn't not, uh, if, if you chose not to change during the Idol series, um, then you were just a passive observer. And we can't have momentum in our lives if we're just passive observers. See, in the spiritual realm, when we surrender to Jesus, we have momentum. We change. We become more and more like him. We become more compassionate. We become more loving and more peaceful. I believe Jesus is more, and he brings change. In fact, now if, you, if you're going to enter in, and this is what, what Jesus calls us to, if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God, then conversion, which means radical change, is required. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul writes it like this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Now, there's serious shift there. There's a big change there. The old is gone, the new has come. In Ezekiel 32, 20, 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. Again, listen to this change language. It is all through the scripture. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. 
Erwin McManus, in his unstoppable, a book called An Unstoppable Force, writes these words. When a person becomes a disciple of Jesus Christ, she is not simply accepting a new view of reality. He or she is not simply accepting new patterns of thinking. She is not simply accepting new habits for living. She is being radically and irreversibly changed. Change comes when we enter into relationship with Jesus. Change means that there is momentum in our lives. So the question, perhaps this morning for some of us, is are you changing? Are you changing? Are you aware of the changes that are happening in your life? Are you being transformed? Romans 12, 2, again, Paul writes these words. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation equals change. If you don't want to change, you probably shouldn't make a decision to follow Jesus because change is, is, is uh, synonymous with following Jesus. And frankly, if, if Scripture, if you've been in the Bible, if you've been reading the Bible, and it hasn't brought about change, it's questionable whether you've engaged the Scriptures at all. Because Jesus was a teacher. He was a, a, a rabbi. He had people following him in his day. And he couldn't have been stronger in his, uh, his, his, his uh, condemnation of the religious folks' attempt to bypass Scripture in deference to the traditions of man. Holding up the traditions that we've, we've always done it this way and minimizing the actual action of love, of love, of joy, of peace, of mercy, showing mercy to those around them. He, as a teacher, was expected to embrace the status quo of the established orthodoxy. So as a teacher, he wasn't supposed to push back when someone said, hey, this is what you can do on the Sabbath. Instead, instead, what does he do? He heals on the Sabbath and is accused of defiling the Sabbath. He celebrates life and is called a drunk and a glutton. His friendship with sinners was met with disdain and condemnation. I mean, even the tax collectors, the pariah of the community, were treated with the assumption that they had value, that they could also access the mercy of God. Meanwhile, the average churchgoer, the average templegoer, was chastised for their misplaced nominal faith. Jesus was, and his spirit still is, a radical change agent. This is how the church was born. This is how the church continues to gain massive momentum. Now, many of us can look at this and go, well, I can kind of buy into this thing of personal change. I can do the personal change. I can see that. But if you're leading an organization, if you're, if you're working in, on a manufacturing line, Whatever your scope of work is, how easy is it for you to step into change within the corporate structure of your organization? Think about the changes that have had to happen within the church structure over the years, over the millennial. So listen to this, Hebrews 13, 8, and 9. We've all heard this one from people in church that don't want things to change. Hey, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You heard that? He never changes, so why should we? 
Hmm. You can think on that this afternoon. Verse 9 of Hebrews 13 says, So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Okay, those strange new ideas uh, are talking about foreign concepts, foreign ideas to the gospel. So Jesus, Jesus never changes. His principles never change. But as I had a pastor, old pastor friend of mine, often say, the message never changes, but the method does. The message never changes, but the methods do. So when I was growing up, the church I grew up in, you know, some of you grew up Catholic, and maybe you even had a Latin liturgy. Not so for me. Like, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I grew up in a church that would have read Hebrews 13, 8 and 9 like this. Jesus Christus, gestern und heide, und derselbe auch in Ewigkeit. Lasset euch nicht mich marlache und fremden Lehren untreiben, denn es ist ein Keschlich Ding, dass das Herz fest werde, welches geschieht durch die Gnade, nicht durch Speisen, davon keine Nutzen haben, die damit umgehen. That's German to most of you. Traditions change. Some churches refuse to change and leave the culture behind. It's significant important that as we shift, that we do so gospel-oriented. We, have to not, we don't change just for the sake of changing. In fact, some of our traditions, they serve us really well. But when tradition supersedes our ability to be accessible to the world around us, then tradition has to give way to the gospel of Jesus Christ, which calls us to partnership with him to bring redemption and healing to our neighborhoods and communities. Now, change, and I will be the first to acknowledge that change in many respects is very difficult, especially when our memories are filled with defining moments in our spiritual lives within the context of those traditions. Think about this place. This was a Lutheran church for 143 years. People came before us, established a faith tradition here, and two years ago, they said, we can no longer be in this building. So think about, I mean, remember the first time, first Sunday that we opened in January of 2020, we had a number of of members of the former Lutheran church here that Sunday morning. This was a grieving process for them because some of them had been here since birth and they were in their 70s now. And so they've been here their whole life. The tradition, this building meant something to them. It was a very powerful uh, thing for them to come and bless us as we started restore here at this corner. Change is not simple, and especially when, when there are things within the context of the tradition that have been life-forming and life-shaping for us. But I believe God calls us to leave the memorabilia, take the memories, but leave the memorabilia. We're to live into this change, these changes, and, and, and live into it with freedom. Because as we do, we will change and grow and thrive. But I don't know about you, sometimes 
I feel like we as people are like the children of Israel. Remember when they were leaving Egypt? I mean, they had begged and pleaded for relief from their Egyptian oppressors. And then God heard them. He sent Moses. He freed them. But once they were free and experienced the implications of now living by faith in God, they got angry at Moses and they wanted to go back to Egypt. They concluded that to be slaves once again would be better than to be free in the context of radical change. They didn't know how to navigate this new world that they had stepped into. The reality for them and for us is that many times we would rather live, catch this, we would rather live in godless security than spirit-led change. We would rather live in godless security than spirit-led change. We can never forget, guys, that the God we serve is a changeless, changeless God of change. We, the people, that follow Jesus are his agents. The church is his method to bring about the change the world is so desperate for. So I'm saying this morning, change is coming. You gotta thrive or die. Change is coming. I think one of the questions I often ask myself is what happens if restore ceases to exist tomorrow? Have we changed? Have you and I changed? Have we changed our neighborhood? Have we changed our community? Have we had an influence? Have we made an impact? We moved here two years ago. It's sobering sometimes to think about what hasn't yet been done. And then I'm energized by the days ahead. Because I believe the future is bright. I believe the future is strong. We have a place here at the corner of 5th and Madison. And we have, a, have an opportunity and a responsibility to live into change and growth. And to thrive with the spirit of God in us. Would you stand with me? See, I believe God wants to shake heaven and earth. And shake us loose from everything that would hold us back from stepping into his future. A future that will never be experienced if we don't embrace and experience change. God is always inviting us to believe in a future with him that would never hold a candle to anything we've experienced in our past without him. I believe we, the church, are called to run back into the world that we've been known to hide from. We've retreated many times, and we need to go and make disciples. God says, go and make disciples. Go, go, go. He wants us to stand and proclaim the good news, stand in the middle of sin and destruction, and call out for change. And we have to open our arms and say, let it come. Let it come. Because when the church refuses to change, she's refusing to obey. You and I are the church. When we refuse to obey then we live in disobedience. And to live in disobedience is to live in sin. And to live in sin is to be separated from the blessing of Almighty God. And friends, this morning, I believe we need to step into change. We need to step in with courage. We need to ask God, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do next? And we, we step into the next, sometimes with only partial vision. We don't always see it with clarity. 
But we don't step in alone. We step into change, knowing that the Spirit of God empowers us. My cry has been from Psalm 51.10. And just uh, let's together, uh, let's together say this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Again, create in me a clean heart, O God and renew a right spirit within me. That's my prayer for us this morning, that as we, the people of Restore, the people of this community, make ourselves visible, that we stand on the proverbial corner and say that God is the reason, Jesus is our purpose, that change can come, because you and I have hearts that are open to change. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family. 